0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Come with me this morning to the Word of God. Uh, If you go to Genesis 37... If you go to Genesis 37 then I want to go uh, somewhere else in Genesis also. So you go to Genesis 37 and then let me just read a couple of scriptures uh, one from the New Testament which you'll know very well Romans 8:28 Paul said, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then let me read from Genesis 45, just a few verses. And this is where Joseph, uh, in his home in Egypt, when his brothers came, and he eventually revealed who he was to them. In verse 3 of Genesis 45, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. And he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land. There are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And then just uh, in Genesis 50, uh, this is later on after his father Jacob had died, Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. And so they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, before your father died, he commanded, saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servant of God, of the servant of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and they said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me but God meant it for good. Note this, in order to bring it about as it is this day in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. God has plans and purposes for our lives, and he is constantly working behind the scenes, bringing that to fulfillment. For God to get us from A to B, to C to D, or to E to F... It's going to take time, and it's going to take trust. And it will not be in a straight line. It will be all kinds of twists and turns and events and challenges and happenings and providences of God. And so all of that will take to get us from A to B, from where we are to where God wants us to be. It's easy looking back in hindsight, isn't it? If you look back 10, 15, 20 years and join all the dots, it's easy doing that, but it's not so easy looking ahead 10, 15 years. Sure it's not. But we've got to trust that the Lord knows what he's doing. Joseph had an amazing plan that God had for his life. He was to become the savior of his brethren and indeed, in fact, the whole nation. But... It would take much time and much trust on his part. And things were going to happen all throughout that journey that at the time he would not understand. That would present him with great difficulties and all kinds of hardships, times of betrayal, times of favor times of loss of favor, times of confusion and disappointment and rejection and times of inspiration and times of providence. So all of that was in the mix to get Joseph from A to B where he was to where God wanted him to be. But all these things worked together for his good and for God's glory. Now let's consider for a few moments this morning the things that Joseph went through until he got into the place where God wanted him to be. Now, I know that the story is very familiar. And so there's a temptation because you know the story. You've heard it from Sunday school days in your mind to let your mind drift and get distracted. Don't do that. Listen carefully because you're on a journey from A to B in God's plan. And you're going to go through some stuff that you will not understand at the time. And how you handle it and what's going to happen is important. So hang in and listen. Genesis 37. Here's the beginning. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. He had Joseph when he was a very old man to Rachel, who was probably out of all of his wives the only one that he truly loved. Now, Ezra loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Favoritism in any family is not a good idea. It will cause problems. Some families, because of favoritism, have become very dysfunctional. This was one such family. Now, my family that I grew up on, I have two older sisters. I'm the baby. <laughs> don't look at you, don't. But my two older sisters, my oldest sister was my father's favorite. No question about it. My other sister and I used to joke about it. She got off a murder. We didn't. She used to sit on his knee. He was, she was the favorite. Now, as we grew older, we understood the reason for that. Not excusing it, but there was a reason for that. And the reason was simply this. It's because their firstborn died at 18 months. They lost their little baby daughter at 18 months through meningitis. So, after a couple of years, along comes Sandra, my oldest sister. So, you can understand then how precious she was to them after losing their only child. And you can understand how that she became a little bit, dare I say, spoiled. (laughs) Molly (laughs) Cuddles. Now, she's a wonderful sister, she's a great sister. But that was the truth, that was it. And we understood, you know, we got to a certain age, we understood that was the reason why. Because there was a big soft spot for her because she was born after they lost their only child before that. So you can understand that. Doesn't make it right, but that's what happened. It's not an issue with us, it never bothered us really. We joked about it, but it wasn't an issue really. But it was an issue in this household. It became a real bone of contention to the very point where his brothers actually hated him. They despised him. They couldn't even speak nicely to him. Did you see that? They couldn't even speak peaceably to him. They hated the sight of him. You'd say they hated his guts. They just couldn't stand him. And so this is a real problem in this family. Now, Joseph had a dream... And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear the this dream which I have dreamed. Now, I don't want to go into the rights and wrongs of whether he should have told them or whether he shouldn't have told them, or whatever. He's only 17, and he's probably a lot spoiled, and probably that comes through. But nevertheless, he tells them about this dream. Please hear the dream which I have dreamed. Uh, there were... There we were, binding sheaves in the field. And then, behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Three times it says they absolutely hated him. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. His father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Hmm. Who would have thought... That in the midst of this dysfunction and all of this bitterness and hatred and envy and jealousy and favoritism, who would have thought out of that that God could be working a plan? Didn't seem like it. Didn't feel like it. That God was working a plan for Joseph's life. Then look what happens. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said, Here I am. Then he said to them, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent them out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now, Why in the world would he do that? I mean, is is Jacob such a numbskull? Does he not know that his brothers absolutely hate him and despise him? And he's going to send him out to them with this beautiful coat of many colors that they are absolutely mad about anyway. And he's going to send out to say, hey, how's the flocks going? I need to report to my dad. Now, you can imagine that's going to cause serious friction. Was the old man not thinking right? Or was God working his plan? God was working his plan. Even though it seemed to be a casual thing the father did. Even though he never thought twice about it. But God was working a plan. And then what happens? Verse 15 So he goes to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. A certain man was there. We don't know who this certain man was. We don't know his name. We don't know why in the world he was there. Did he get up one morning and look out his window and say, you know, it's a beautiful day. I think I'll go for a walk on the fields today. I think I'll take my wee dog for a walk today. Why he was there, who knows? God knows. He was there because God put him there. He had no idea that he was part of God's plan for Joseph's life. When Joseph got there, there was nobody there except this total stranger. Just happened to be, just happened to be there at the right time, in the right field, at the right moment. That's not a coincidence. That's God working behind the scenes of Joseph's life. And from time to time in our lives, there'll be a certain Man, There'll be somebody who will cross our path and either give us advice or encouragement or something that's part of God's plan for our lives to move us forward in that plan. And they have no idea why they met us. None whatsoever. And it may be the only time in their lives that they'll ever meet us you got to believe that God works behind the scenes in your life. But verse 18, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what become of his dreams." So there's no question that murder is now in their hearts. Here's their opportunity. They're far from home. They're in Dothan. Who is going to know? Who's going to see them? Nobody. There's plenty of pits around here. We'll kill him and we'll dump him and we'll tell his old dad that some wild beast has devoured him. End of story. That's him out of our lives. That God had a plan for Joseph, and being killed wasn't it. So, what happens? Verse 21 But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. But note this he said this that he might deliver him out of their hands. And bring him back to his father. Reuben is the eldest son. He's got the most responsibility. And even though he was probably jealous of the young boy, and even though he probably couldn't stand him for most of the time, but he wasn't going to see him killed. Good job, Reuben was there that day. But you see, God's working behind the scenes. So, put him into the pit, he'll die there, and let's go home. But his idea was, I'll come back when they're not looking, and I'll rescue him and take him back to the Father. It's all part of God's plan. And so, verse 23, So it came to pass, when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. I keep remembering this boy is only 17. And he's probably quite soft. He wasn't looking after the sheep. He was at home with mom and dad. So now he knows his brothers really, really hate him, and they really want to get rid of him, and they dump him into this deep pit. And there he is, frightened, knowing that he's probably going to starve to death or die of thirst, for it's as dry as a bone. Can you imagine how he must have felt at that moment? And they sat down to eat a meal. Huh. Their brother's in a pit they've just thrown them into, and they could care less. In fact, all they thought about was their bellies. It's lunchtime. Let's eat. And no doubt the boy was in there probably crying or shouting, asking for help. And there they are. They sat down to a meal. But then they lifted up their eyes and looked. And there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices and balm and myrrh on the way to carry them down to Egypt. Ha. Huh. That day... In that place, at that hour, at that very moment, suddenly, this band of traitors, Ishmaelites and Midianites, we'll see in a moment, they come over the hill. And what happens? Judah gets a bright idea. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not her hand be upon him, for he is her brother and our flesh. As if Judah really cared a rap about him. Suddenly he thought, do you know what? I can make money out of this fella. Yeah, we could just let him lie there and die in that hole. But there's a wee bit of profit in it if we sell him. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit. So that's obvious that Reuben wasn't there at that moment. Maybe he went into a near village. Maybe he went into the next town to get some... Provisions, who knows? But at that moment, he wasn't there when Judah decided to sell his brother. So Reuben returns to the pit, and indeed, Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes, and he returned to his brothers and said, the lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? How am I going to explain this to dad? I'm the oldest brother. I'm responsible. This is my wee baby brother. What am I going to say? Where am I going to go? And so they took Joseph's chinock and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the chinock in its blood. And then they sent the chinock of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? Did you notice what they said? Do you know whether this is, they didn't say our brother's tunic. Is this your son's tunic? Such was that animosity. Couldn't even say a kind word about him. Reminds me of the elder brother in Luke 15. You remember him? Whenever the young brother came back and the father threw a party, the elder brother was in the field and he heard all the noise and he came back and the servants come out and says, well, he says, what's the noise? He says, well, it's your your brother's come back and your father's having a big party for him. And the dad went out to try to bring him in. He says, no, I'm not going in. He says, all these years I've worked for you, he says, I've never broken any of your commandments. He says, you never had a party for me. But he says, now that this son of yours has come back. Not my brother, this son of yours has come back. So here's these brothers. And out of this mess, and these lies and deception, out of all of that, God's going to bring good out of it. All things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are the called of God. And he recognized it and said, "'It is my son's chinook. A wild beast has devoured him.'" Now, they didn't say that, but he surmised that. "'A wild beast has devoured him, and without doubt Joseph is torn to pieces.'" Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, For I shall go down into the grave for my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. All of that time, weeks of mourning, not once did they admit the lie and the dirty deed that they'd done shows you the hardness of their hearts. Seeing the old man break in his heart. And they falsely comforted him. And all the time they knew they were guilty. Then verse 36, the last verse of that chapter. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Skip verse chapter 38 and go to chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, is that a coincidence, do you think? Or is that providence? Of all of the people in Egypt that could have bought him as a slave. Now I don't know whether Potiphar intentionally went to the market that morning to buy a slave or maybe it was his off day, maybe he had a day off and thought, you know what, it's a lovely day, I'll go to the market, I'll just have a wee wander around the market and as he was wandering around, there was the section where they sold the slaves and so he probably stopped and had a look and these Ishmaelites, they put this young Hebrew 17-year-old boy up onto the stump to sell him and he looked grand, and he was strong, and looked fit and healthy. And I don't know, but maybe Potiphar had a look at him and thought, do you know what I could do with an extra pair of hands at home? Because I'm so busy, and I really need somebody. And, And you know, he looks good, and he looks fit, and he looks strong. I can get a lot of years out of him, and if he gives me any trouble, well, I can knock him into shape anyway. And so he bought him or 20 pieces of silver. Not much. 20 pieces of silver. But look what it says in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Now that's important. It says it a lot of times in this chapter. That's important. The Lord was with Joseph. When he's being sold as a slave in Egypt. I mean, things couldn't get much worse than that, could it? He's away from his father's home. He may never see his mom and dad ever again. He knows his brothers hate him. They have wanted to murder him. They sold him as a slave. He's in a foreign country. He doesn't know anybody. He's just 17 years old. And this high-ranking official of Pharaoh buys him for 20 pieces of silver. And yet, and yet... This is what we must remember in the difficult times. And the Lord was with him. The Lord is with us in the difficult times, not just the good times, but in the difficult times. God has got a plan. God has got a plan. He's got a plan for Joseph, and he's got a plan for you. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, Now, he didn't know the Lord, but he probably thought, well, whatever God he serves and worships, he's with him. So the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was in all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Huh. Imagine that. Now things have taken an upturn. You think things couldn't get any worse than sold as a slave in Egypt. But then suddenly, the only man in Egypt, there was only one man in all of Egypt, could have brought God's plan to pass in Joseph's life. And this is the man, Potiphar. Coincidence or providence? It's the hand of God. It's God working behind the scenes. And suddenly he excels in this man's house to such a degree that he's thrilled with him and he trusts him implicitly and he puts him over not only all of his house but his fields, all the workers, everybody is under Joseph's hand and direction. This man never had a slave like this in his life. Boy, he's glad he went to the slave market that day. He's got a bargain for 20 pieces of silver, hasn't he? Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. You know, he had his mother's genes. Rachel, in chapter 29, verse 17, it says Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. So he inherited his mother's good looks. And he must have been a really handsome young man. But look what happens now. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. How blatant is that? Nothing subtle about that. Sure, there's not. Well, she didn't have to be. He was only a slave, after all. Yeah, he was a good one. And her husband really liked him, but he was only a slave. Surely any slave would have been thrilled at the opportunity that was being presented to him. He's only a young man. This is a married woman who's married to a high official of Pharaoh's court. How flattering could that be to a young 17-year-old? And this woman is, in modern-day terms, I can use the phrase, a cougar. (laughs) Yeah, you know what that is, don't you? And she's a real nasty one at that. But he refused. I like that. He refused. Hmm. Point blank. Didn't he have to think about it for one second? No! She'd never got that answer before. Nobody had ever said that to her. Do you think this was the first time she did this? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, he said. And he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. He's letting her know, this is wrong. This is not right. This is adultery. You're his wife. You shouldn't do this. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, to me, Joseph was saying, this is more than just sinning against you and against Potiphar. This is sinning against God. This is not right, and I will not do it. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, she completely ignored that. As she thought, oh, well, dear help him, he's young. He'll come around. I'll tempt him some more. So she probably put on some more makeup, <laughs> dressed more provocatively. She tried everything she could. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. He made a point of trying to avoid her at all costs. Somebody says, if you don't want to ring the church bell, don't handle the rope. (laughs) In other words, avoid temptation like the plague. Samson didn't do that, sure he didn't. He played with fire, and boy, he got burned, didn't he? But Joseph didn't even want to be near her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, "'Lie with me!' But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside." The Bible says, "Resist, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But what if you keep resisting and resisting and resisting temptation and it doesn't flee from you? You know what you do? You flee from it. He had no other choice. So he fled from temptation. And so he fled and he ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand she fl- and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. You remember last week we talked about Adam and Eve? <laughs> and how Adam says, The woman you gave me. So she was blaming him. Now here's this wife blaming her husband. You brought this Hebrew into this house. This is what she's saying. See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard it, I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. And so it was when the master heard the words that his wife had spoken to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Boy, she knew how to play this boy. He didn't even think in going to talk to Joseph. Joseph ran for his life. But where would he run to? Where would he go to? He's going to have to come back and face the music, isn't he? She knew that. So she made sure the whole household had heard. And then by the time the husband came home, boy, she had it perfected. And when he heard that, his anger was aroused. Now, do you understand a man in that position? Do you know what his position was under Pharaoh? He was the chief jailer, the governor of the prison where political prisons were held. This was the main jail in all of Egypt. And he was the governor. And this was his slave who supposedly attempted to molest his wife in their own house. He realized that all he had to do was take him out and execute him. And nothing would have been done about that. You could do whatever you like with a slave. It's just like on a piece of furniture. And nobody would have said a word. Who would have blamed him? But God has another plan for Joseph, and it's not to kill him. Whether it was his brothers wanted to do it or whether even this man had a notion to do it, it was not to kill him. So what does this man do? He puts him in prison. I wonder, I wonder, I just wonder, even though he was angry, and even though he was humiliated in front of all of his household, I mean, what else could he do? He had to do something to save face, but I just wonder, did he really trust his wife? Because if he truly, truly believed that Joseph did what he was supposed to have done, he probably would have killed him. But he didn't. He didn't. And look what happens. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. Did you get that again? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Four times in that chapter, because it says on further down, The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Four times in that chapter, it says, And the Lord was with him. Now, that's the Holy Spirit saying something to us. Because we all have a tendency to believe and to think that when things are going well, when the sun's on your back, And the storms are not blowing. God's with us. What about the times when the sun's not on your back and the storm is blowing and it looks like your ship is sinking or it looks like you're really, really in trouble this time. Do you still feel the Lord is with me? That's the hard part, isn't it? So the Holy Spirit spells out for us four times in the midst of all that stuff that was going on that he couldn't understand that probably confused him. The Lord was with him. And he made him to prosper in spite of it all. So he's thrown into prison. Quickly, David. And it came to pass after these things, chapter 40, that the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt of the king of Egypt offended their lord and the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker, so he put them into custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, a place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them each man dreaming one night, and each man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? They said to him, We each have had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. We'll just read a little bit further. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was through, and and it was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But Verse 14, listen. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Hmm. So even though the Lord was blessing him and even though even the jailer was allowing him much favor, it wasn't a picnic to be in that prison. Prisons in those days... No color TVs, no university university degrees to be had. It was rough. And he wanted out of it. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. And then if you read on, because of time will not, if you read on you'll see then that the beggar thought, well this is wonderful, this fellow can really interpret dreams. So here's my dream. And you can read it there. And Joseph gave him the interpretation, which was in three days he was going to get his head cut off, and his body would be hung up, and the crows would eat. <laughs> can you imagine the next three days for that beggar? <laughs> huh? What a difference between the beggar and the butler! Huh? Can you imagine them in the same cell together? And so after that happened, verse 20. It came to pass on the third day, which is Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. He lifted up the head of the chief butler, the chief baker, among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Note this. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Ah. How in the world Could he forget him so quickly? Hmm? How could he forget Joseph, the interpreter of dreams? That everything he said came absolutely true to the letter. How in the world could you forget that? Is that just a lack of memory? Is it just callousness on his part? I don't think so. It was God tell you why what if he had her remembered at that point what as soon as he got out he told Pharaoh do you know what I know you're going to, have to struggle to believe this but while I was in jail there was a young Hebrew boy there and I had this dream and the baker had this dream and he told his interpretation It's happened exactly as he told us can you believe that and the Pharaoh would say that's powerful tell you what we'll let him out of jail I'd like to meet that fella." And he would let him out of jail. Do you think then Joseph could go back to Potiphar's house? I don't think so. Not with Potiphar's wife there. So what would happen? Probably be sold as a slave again. Maybe sent to some far flung part of Egypt. Never to be heard of again. So it was important. It was vital. It was in the plan of God that the butler forgot Joseph. Why? Because God's not ready To release him yet. There's one more part in the plan that has got to be fulfilled for his hour to come. And this is why I said at the beginning, it takes time and it takes trust, doesn't it? And what was the part? Because of time, Pharaoh had the dream. Two dreams. We all had two dreams. Pharaoh had the dream, hadn't he? The dream about the cows, thin cows and the fat cows and. eating each other up, and the sheaves, the thin sheaves, and the fat sheaves. And, and then, let me just read this verse. Look, chapter 41, verse 1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Two years more in that stinking hole of a prison. In all that time, the butler had forgotten But suddenly, when Pharaoh has his dream, suddenly his memory comes back. (laughs) Is that coincidence or is that providence? It's providence. It's God working his plan. And he told the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh sent for him. And he cut his beard and put some nice clothes on. And he told Pharaoh the interpretation of the dream. And Pharaoh was so impressed And Pharaoh said, we need to put somebody in, or Joseph said, you need to put somebody in charge of all of this because there's going to be seven years of fullness and seven years of leanness. And you need to put somebody in charge of the years of fullness so that they can store up for the years of leanness. And Pharaoh says, you're the man. (laughs) A brilliant idea. I'm going to put you in charge. And he took off his signet ring and gave it to Joseph. And he gave him beautiful robes. And he gave him a chariot. You'll be second only to me in all of Egypt. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine that. Second only to me in all of Egypt. And the people would bow down before him. Can you imagine that, a slave boy. You know what age he is now if you read on? You know when that happened? When he was 30. 13 years it took from he was thrown into that pit till he got into that palace. Thirteen years, and all of that stuff happened. The Jewish rabbis have a saying that God can bring deliverance in the twinkling of an eye. For thousands of years, the Jewish rabbis taught that. as a saying God can bring deliverance in the twinkling of an eye. Joseph got up out of bed one morning in that prison as a, an accused, non guilty prisoner, had been in that jail for at least two years, probably more, and before that night was out, he was in a palace. In a twinkling of an eye, suddenly, everything changed. By the way, when I read that about what the rabbis say, when I read that, you know, the, this is just by the way, the thought came to me, the Apostle Paul, he was a rabbi, Pharisee of the Pharisees and all that. You remember he wrote in First Corinthians 15 about the Lord coming, that it would happen, we should not all sleep, but we should all be changed in a moment, in a what? In the twinkling of an eye. <laughs> Just like that. And here's Joseph. Verse 46 of that chapter 41 says Joseph was 30, year old, 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And, Pharaoh, and Joseph went out of the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up all the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the foods of the fields which surrounded them. And Joseph gathered it very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came. Manasseh and Ephraim, if you read on, you'll see that. And verse the last verse of that chapter, 57, so all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. And then it goes on saying about his family coming and bowing down before him. So let me ask you the question in closing. When everything's going wonderfully well, the sun's on your back. Everything's smooth sailing. Isn't it easy to believe the favor of God's in my life? Isn't it easy to believe God is with me today? But what when that's not happening? What if you're confused? What if your character and your reputation is being maligned? What if you're being lied about? Hmm? What if somebody in your family hates your guts? or somebody in your workplace, or somebody over you making things tough for you, do you believe at that moment that God is with me? That he can make all things work together for my good because I'm called according to his purpose? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has got a plan? And sometimes... From get you to A to get you to B, there's all kinds of stuff happens in there. But God is going to get you to B. (laughs) He's going to get you to where he wants you to be. If you believe him, if you trust him, if you hang in there, even when you don't understand, even when you're confused, even when you don't feel like it, if you hang in there, God will get you to where he wants you to be. And what a wonderful story at the end of it, amen. Do you know, I was reading that this week and there's so many things that's coming afresh to me. I may even return to it because there's a, there's a oh, there's a, oh, well, I better not get into it right now. <laughs> there's a wonderful, wonderful thing about the forgiveness of Joseph. I never, you know, in all the years I've read it, I never saw it before. That's the wonderful thing about the scriptures. You can read it for years and miss so many things that you never knew was there. So I might return to that at some point. So, are you trusting him? Are you believing that today God is with me? Four times it says, God was with Joseph. <laughs> And God blessed him and God favored him and God brought him through all of those tough times and hard times and brought him into a place of prominence and respect to even the very ones who wanted to put him in that pit and kill him bowed down before him and acknowledged that he was their Lord in a sense. (laughs) Let's pray. Help us to trust you. Even we don't feel it or see it or sense it, but by faith know it, that God is working for me. And if God is for us, who or what can be against us? Lord, we give you thanks today. We bless you for the inspiration, Lord, of Joseph's life. We thank you that you brought them through all of that stuff and put them in a position of favor and authority. So we bless you today and thank you for watching over our lives. Even as we sleep in our beds, your eyes upon the righteous and your ear is open to their cry. In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.